This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by who? You guessed it, Dylan Ray. We have with us a guest, um, if I were just talking off Cameron, can't believe we haven't had her on here before. It's such a natural fit. And we have from the National Bowhunter Education Foundation, we have the executive director, Marilyn Vince. Marilyn, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah. And I know, you know, I've been around, it seems like a long time, which but uh, but by Pope and Young standards, I'll be the new guy for another 20 years. Um <laughs> But, you know, you were one of the people that, you know, had just been a partner with, you know, from the time I got here. It's, do you know how long that the NBEF has been partnering with Pope and Young? Well, actually, longer than you or I. And um, we both grew out of the same organization back when our charters were formed, which, okay. you know, that's a long time, but those roots run deep. and. We were both formed from the Conservation Committee of the National Field Archers Association. So we were chartered in 79 as a, as a separate nonprofit. So 1979 for uh, Dylan, who probably isn't that old, but uh, <laughs> at any rate, uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't when... even a thought in 79. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even yeah, think I'm, my oldest, not... my oldest sibling wasn't a thought in 79. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, oh dear. Okay, I'll yeah. get off that topic. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure when uh, Pope and Young was chartered as a separate organization, but we were in, in 1979. So a few years ago, we had our, uh, in 2019, we had our 40th anniversary. As a matter of fact, when the convention was in Omaha that year. Yes, and, I remember um, uh, yeah, we had a little celebration, and yes. so you know, we we kind of like to celebrate those things, be, the longevity, because I think for two nonprofits like ourselves to make it 40, 50 years is just really remarkable. But uh, so our ties with Pope and Young then continued throughout the years because many of our instructors in the early years came from the Pope and Young ranks. Okay. And so I, and I also know that probably many of the animals that are in, in your book or books, those records probably were killed by people that have actually taken our course. I'm so, sure. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, that, that kind of re- uh, is something I've always wanted to do too with Pope and Young is when somebody uh, registers an animal, I would like a little question on there that says, have you taken Bowhunter education? <laughs> because I I think that success ratio would be really high. Um, yeah. That And that's one of the things that we try to do with our courses is uh, make that bow hunter more successful because we know if he can be successful, hey, we got him hooked. That's good. So. Do, you, do you cover any, do you, do you have in your education anything about how to pass the little guys to get to the big animals? That's, <laughs> well, <laughs> you want to pull that trigger or? <laughs> I, you know, for me, I, I, that's, I, yeah, that's my biggest weakness. Isn't that I, isn't that I can't shoot the big ones. They're easier to hit. <laughs> <laughs> bigger target. I mean, right. now, if I could shoot these little forking horns, imagine how easy it'd be to shoot the you know, one of these great big massive four points. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah we yeah. talk about taking that deep breath and <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did have somebody, Jason. I had this discussion just this weekend, and they said, uh, "Well, it was my dad? He's a smart aleck." He says, "When are you going to wait and kill a big one?" <laughs> and I said, well, well, dad, do I want to kill five small ones or one big one? Like, what do you, <laughs> whoo, where's the, where's the line drawn? <laughs> and he's uh, like, well, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, this is coming from the guy. When I was growing up, I'd be, there'd be 30 deer out in the field and he'd go to shoot. And I said, dad, you missed. He said, I didn't miss. And I look out there and the littlest one would be on the ground. Dead. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. The littlest, you know. 60 pound fawn on the ground and he's like i didn't miss hey yeah. right where i was aiming <laughs> you know i i have actually done that once i i was it was the last day of an elk hunt and it was it was leave now with a cow or leave with nothing and i felt guilty so i think i bought a new bow and obviously a bunch of stuff and i'm like yeah i better be bringing some meat home to help you know justify the expense of this and so i had two cows come by by blind and i'm like you know what so I think it's that time. So I drew and I pulled up on the, the biggest of the two. And then I, I genuinely thought about it and said, wait, that other one is probably more tender. So I switched yeah. and shot, shot the smaller one. I, I yeah. actually have done that. Yep. So. We, uh, I 
uh, since I've become more, I'll just say, I'll call it chronologically challenged. Uh, <laughs> I don't bow hunt a lot anymore. But uh, when when my husband and I were really actively bow hunting, and I I had a lot of opportunities to bow hunt, so I you know I'm I'm really pleased about that. But uh, it was always the meat, you, you know, and yeah. so. We the only animal we have is is my husband's buck hanging in my office, but uh, I have I have an Osceola turkey in my kitchen with, uh, uh, but I grabbed the biggest shotgun on the rack for that one. So <laughs> we you know we're we've always been meat hunters and and I don't think I think there's those phases you go through you know like five well. <laughs> Can I shoot five or can I only shoot one big one? And and uh, I, I never advanced out of that meat hunter stage. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, which is state, which is the one where you just like to shoot as much as you can? Yeah. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. I guess stage two. <laughs> that's the murderous. That's, that's the murderous stage. <laughs> stage two. <laughs> that is the equal opportunity death distributor stage. We yeah. still, we will come out with that on a Pope and Young t-shirt. Just so you know. <laughs> Yeah. That'll be. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll have Dylan and Jason's signature fork and horn with the equal opportunity death distributor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like it. Let's see if we have those for convention. <laughs> I, no, actually, maybe not. I don't want to run those by my board because those guys, they see, and here's the problem is these guys, they're straight up killers, but they, they get it done with the big stuff. You know, you like a Jim <laughs> They Rowan. kill five big ones. I'm like, you know. You know, he just gets it done. He's like, "Oh, what did you do?" I mean, it's just, yeah. Jim, some of those Jim called me from Alaska. And I said, "Hey, how you doing?" And and he says he's in Alaska, so he didn't have to tell me what he was hunting or where he was. I just said, "Dude, go kill a big one." He said, "I've already killed a big one." Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, he said, "Yeah, first morning I shot a big one." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." It was like 96 inches or something. I'm like, yeah. "All right, cool." Uh, yeah, good yeah. for you, it's Jim. <laughs> It's, you know, when I, Jim hired me as president, he was the president when I came on board and I love, I mean, just a great positive guy. I mean, oh, yeah. lives life. And I used first question I used to ask him every time I talk, Hey Jim, where are you? And what are you chasing? Yeah. And that's, that's the first thing I asked. And then we get that out of the way and then we can visit about, you know, business stuff. But uh, yeah, I used to always enjoy that because that guy does not let any grass grow, but it's, you know, that's the thing is you get the, the guys like that and the Frank Noskas and Chuck Adams. And, and I mean, they're out there getting it done. They're shooting a bunch of animals and they're shooting yeah. just monsters. Well, at, you know, I have Jack Frost on my board. Yeah. There so. you go. Legend. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and that's not to say that the Jeff Waring's and the, the CJ Winans and the, you know, they're on my board too, but that they will all bow down to Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, how do you not? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. That's, um, it, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, like, cause Jack, once again, Jack was on the board when, when I came on. Right. And, right. uh, so if, you know, if, if you like me, you can thank Jack. If you don't like me, well, he's Jack Frost. Too <laughs> yeah. bad, you know. You can't blame him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, it's interesting because you know you mentioned Jack and and some of the other board members that we've shared throughout the years, and I think a lot of people, 
a lot of folks in the industry that maybe should know don't exactly know some of the workings behind the scenes of some of these organizations and how hard these folks are working. You know, you talk about Jack, he's on your board. He's been on my board. Yeah. He's um, I don't know if he still is, but for years was on the S3DA board. Yeah. Yeah. And you start looking at, you know, here's a guy who has been there, done that three or four times yeah. and, you know, needs no introduction. And what does he do? He continues to give back and give back and give back. And yeah. Jack's just a, I mean, Jack's a prime example because he's, he's that guy. He's gotten so much out of hunting, bow hunting, archery that he is in that give back stage and just phenomenal human being. And, uh, but I don't think people, I think people underestimate the amount of behind the scenes that goes on between us. Oh, to, I think so. Yeah. 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 The other day I was asked by uh, <clears throat> someone that does, oh, a lot of marketing and, and PR in our world. And um, they asked me, they said, I'm looking for an influencer. It, you know, that's the term now for, yeah. for the personalities and the, the uh, people that are out there all the time. And, and I got to thinking about that. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I know any young influencers, but I sure know a lot of older influencers. And, yeah. And, you know, the Jack Frost and yeah, they're not on Instagram doing their thing, but oh my goodness, right. you talk about somebody that could be a role model or. Um, and have killed more animals oh, than every yeah. influencer combined. Oh, yeah. every, and everywhere. I yeah. mean, yeah. It, you know, that is uh, it when we get together as a board, which uh, your next convention will be the first time we've gotten to bet together as a board other than on Zoom. Uh, and, you know, they will they will go through and they will tolerate sitting at that board meeting, listening to me give reports and going over financials and then everything else. But boy, when when recess comes. They're getting out those videos and they're showing yeah. you know where they've been and what <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the influencers and and for me, um, you know, I guess uh, like it or not, I'm in that older group that just didn't. I didn't have social media. I graduated college without an email address. I mean, it's just you know, it just didn't happen then. Email was was in its infancy. You know, like a few people had it, and it was you know, very cryptic, almost like texts are today. And, and so just not being around that it's, it's different for me because I look at it and some of these, you know, influencers, they're like, Oh, I've got a million followers. And I'm like, I don't even know. Them. I don't even have a million people I like. So why would you, you know, and I look at it and I'm like, okay, what's well, I, I look at, you know, once you're going down the highway, you know, once the road is paved, you know, these guys are in their little, you know, Mazda sports cars or whatever. They're doing a, you know, 70 miles an hour down a highway. And then you look at the Jack Frost. Jack was the guy who like rode his horse down there and like mm -hmm. had to move the rocks out of the way yeah. so that they could make a road that could later be paved that yeah. they're now on. And yeah. 
And so it's nice. Some of those guys do a really good job of recognizing that, you know, Hey, they're riding on some shirt tails and, and, uh, you know, and then others, I, you know, being in the industry, you're around quite a few. And, and I, I like the good ones and mm. some of the other ones who are, you know, think they're pretty special. I'm just like, Oh, well, good for you. I'm glad yeah. that you, at, <laughs> at least one of us in this conversation, yeah. thinks you're special, <laughs> but, but it's, it's always nice. Cause you get the guys, you know, guys and gals that, that literally paved those roads and paved those trails and, yeah. and, you know, did the heavy lifting to put people in position to do what, what they can today. I mean, yeah. a lot of folks don't even realize there, there was, there was a time where there was, we had somebody on the other couple of weeks ago and they, they were talking about a time they used to rifle hunt because there was not yet a bow season in their state. Right. Right. People don't realize the amount of work people that didn't just, they're just like, Oh, well, we should add a boat. They didn't do that. We had to fight for that. Yeah. That's part of why we're here, yeah. you know? And, and you know, there's still countries where you can't hunt with a bow. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I think that's a lot of what, uh, you know, when you look at the amount of effort that goes into it, same thing with what you guys are doing, you know, you're, you're basically out there, you're, your goal is to make people safer, better bow hunters. Yeah. And we really, we really want to emphasize that success component of that because we know, uh, matter of fact, in the late 90s or in the 90s, there was a survey done in New York State. And they found that bow hunter ed graduates were more successful. They harvested more deer okay. than people that had not gone through the program. And, you know, whether you take it online or from an in-person class, uh, everybody walks away with something. You know, they walk away with that little tidbit that, you know what, might just make the difference in their season. and. And uh, we're, you know, one of the one of the topics now that we're uh, looking at adding is uh, something on the hunting saddles. You've, you're probably okay. you're probably well aware of, of those. And uh, the issue we have right now is we're a little bit hesitant because there aren't any manufacturing standards yet. On those hunting okay. saddles, they are working on them. They're working on ASTM standards, just like uh, other tree stands, so to speak. But they are a separate, uh, a separate type of hunting um, piece of equipment. So they will actually have their own standards that they're manufactured to, and and uh, so we're we're kind of waiting on that, but. You guys probably uh, hear quite a bit about those. Yeah. Now, now, how many, maybe you can answer me this, because I know, I'm not going to say what state, um, but I was in a state, when, and they're like, oh, well, you know, welcome. And I drove there, went to buy my, you know, I knew tags were available, went to buy my tag. And they're like, oh, just put your your education stuff in here. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. And so, um, how many states right now 
require that as in order to even hunt there, you have to have <clears throat> your guys' stamp. 11. Okay. 11, 11 states. Now, there are, in addition to those 11 states, there are other states that have regulations depending on where you hunt. And military installations can require it. Okay. Uh, Fort, Fort Belvoir in Virginia, for instance. Uh, there occasionally will be a wildlife refuge area that requires our certification. But basically, 11 states. Okay. Now, one of those states requires a proficiency if you take the course in that state. Okay. And that's Alaska. That's pretty well known. Uh, Alaska also requires uh, proficiency with firearm. Um, and Alaska also requires a separate crossbow education course that requires so there you go so uh but alaska connecticut idaho maine montana nebraska new hampshire new jersey new york rhode island and vermont all require uh crossbow education oh and then quite a few urban hunts too such as uh there's an urban hunt that is pretty well known in um, Arkansas, and that uh, urban hunt, those urban hunts require bow hunter education. Okay. And of course, Fort, uh, Camp Ripley is another gotcha. one. That's in Minnesota. So for, now when you're doing the crossbow training, how, how do you guys do that? You just take like a three-hour course and give them two days to, to do it or? Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm saying that's wrong, Jason. I, that's wrong. I, I, hey, I know I'm going to get an email on that. I'm going to yep. get an email, yep. but yep. you know, hey, yep. at least if you get an email, then you know who's listening to the podcast. You know what I there mean? You go. That's right. That's that, right. And you know, wasn't it Fred Bear that said any publicity is good publicity, or? However, he said that, but <laughs> Marilyn, you know, my board members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but uh, no, they basically wanted crossbow in Alaska to have a required certification, just like bow, just like firearm. So uh, and that requires a proficiency exam. Yeah. But now our courses have reciprocity with every state and every country that requires it. So nice. uh, whether the course is taken in Arkansas and you're going to New Hampshire or whether the course is taken in South Dakota and you're going to New York, doesn't matter. It's it's full reciprocity. Gotcha. That's yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah. And we we you know we have to tease a little bit about the crossbow thing just because it's uh it comes up Oh, fairly, sure. fairly often with us and we're that's why we're so excited to see when they they develop their own book just because it's like hey now everybody's you happy you bet everybody everybody is happy and you know we're in the education business and if you if you want to think of our organization as a business we're all about education and 
So we want to make sure that everybody that's out in those woods and whether we're together or not, uh, we want to be sure that everybody is safe and responsible. So that's uh, that's kind of our mantra. That's a, that's a pretty good motto to have. Yeah. You know, it would be hard to find somebody who says, hey, would you like the person hunting next to you to be less safe and less responsible? You're probably not going to get a lot of takers there. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I equate it to maybe even driving a car. I mean, you go and you, you take a test, you take an exam, and supposedly because of that, you're a safer driver and, and uh, you can be on the roads with me. And I'm a safe driver. And so, you know, everybody's on the, the same playing field. Uh, you know, you know, the other thing that we found, too, is sometimes that bow hunter ed certificate can be your ticket onto a piece of ground. And right now, access is one of uh, one of the biggest issues with all of these new people now that we've created that are going outdoors from COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, people people will really want to get outside and they're going to try bow hunting. They're going to try hunting in general. But um, somebody that has a bow hunter ed card certificate is showing that landowner that they are more responsible and they care enough to take this extra bit of education. Yeah. And so, you know, it can also be a ticket to a piece of ground. Very nice. Yeah. Good. And so now when you're, when you're looking, where, where do you see your organization moving forward? What, what is, where would you like to be? What would you like to be? We have, you know, we have currently, we have a huge uh, opportunity because there were new people that got out, whether it was just a walk in the woods or maybe they did try bow hunting. But uh, we have a, a huge responsibility now to keep those people engaged. And yeah. that's that's kind of an immediate yeah. um an, an immediate responsibility or a goal. Um, but long-term, we just want to make sure we're around another 40 years for 50 years. You know, I, I think that what we have is very valuable because we're kind of that little piece of the past. Uh, both our organizations, we, I think, have a responsibility to future generations to keep that history going. Yeah. And, you know, I think the method of delivery will probably differ. Uh, we've seen that during COVID, but uh, we have to keep it up. <laughs> we have to, we have to keep doing what we're doing because uh, we don't want that little piece of history to be lost. That's right. You bet. How about internationally? Are there, are there countries abroad that, that require yeah. that so we're in about 27 uh foreign countries okay and uh currently for instance you can take an online course in new zealand 
and become certified, just like uh, certain parts of Canada. You can take the course online, uh, but it's offered all over in Canada in person. But uh, there are, in addition to Canada, 26 countries that we're in, and we have a regional director. And as a matter of fact, I think um, uh, he spoke at one of your conventions, Anders Geyer from uh, yes. Sweden. Yes, yeah. he sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Anders is is our regional representative in Sweden, but he's over all of Europe. Okay. So he and his cadre of uh, instructors will go and create new instructors. They will go and hold uh, consumer classes and certify people. And, and of course, everything that they do is the same curriculum. And usually there's an extra day or two added to the curriculum uh, just because of they have a lot more regulations in Europe. But uh, yes, uh, we're in we're in 27 other countries. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so here in the States, do you work with um, like some of the youth organizations to to get in, you know, kind of when they're getting started? Um, well. Primarily, our our biggest customer, so to speak, is the Fish and Game Agency of all the states. Okay. That's our primary customer because they are the ones that then work with all of our volunteers or basically hold classes within their state. So they're the first customer. Then as... As we go through marketing efforts, et cetera, we want to be sure that youth know who NBEF is. Right. Because what's happened is throughout the years, you know, uh, we haven't really contacted any of those youth groups or made contact with any of the youth groups to let them know that were around, so to speak. Right. So uh, now we're working and helping uh, sponsor two organizations, number one being NAS. Okay. And I think Pope and Young has also worked with them. We have for a long and, time. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, we, we work directly with their instructors because a lot of their state coordinators are from uh, the ranks of the state fish and game agencies. So okay. it's kind of a natural fit for us. Right. Um, we wanted to be sure that what they were hearing from their uh, employer, basically, was the same as what uh, we were saying to the agency. So uh, there was a little bit of crossover there. And then um, we're also working with the R100 tournament. Have you okay. heard of that? It's the Reinhardt. It used to be called the yeah. Reinhardt 100. Now it's just the R100 tournament. And we find that that is a unique group because they really concentrate on families coming. You know, they're they're not the what I would call the hardcore 3D shooter that uh Oh, you know, the typical where's the colorful shirt that's sponsored by everybody. And, and you know, usually the people that come out to the R100 tournaments are the families. 
and yeah. mom and dad and the kids and they'll come shoot the R100 and and it's it's a fun day. So we felt that that was a good market that we needed to tap into also. So those are two of the major I'll just call them consumer organizations that we help sponsor. Then we also, on the fishing game agency side, are working with the R3 movement, mm-hmm. um, retention, reactivation, recruitment. Uh, because what we're mm-hmm. finding is the people that are in the state leadership positions of R3 are not always communicating with the hunter ed department, which is mm. who we usually work with. Right. So, and they call them R3 coordinators in each state, but those R3 coordinators are usually young, um, maybe hunters, maybe not. So, you know, we, we felt that there was a need to get in front of those people. Gotcha. And, and say, look, this is who we are. This is how we can help you. And that's that's kind of how we approach it. Is look, we want to help you. You know, what do you need? So, I'll tell you what I I'll tell you what I appreciate about the the cognizant effort to reach the youth with good information is that when somebody begins hunting, they're flooded with a whole bunch of information these days about what to shoot, how to shoot it, why to shoot it, where to shoot it. Yeah. And they have no idea what to believe because they're told by this guy, you absolutely have to shoot your bow this way. This is the safest way to do that. This is the safest way to do this. And they're flooded with all this information and they have no idea what to believe. And so I think it's vitally important to have an organization like yourself that people can go to and understand. If I hear this from, from MBEF, I know it's the truth. I know that this is the safest way to do things. This is the best way to go about things. So I, I absolutely applaud you guys for for making that conscious effort to reach the youth because they're flooded with all this information and they have no idea what to believe. Well, and then that leads me to talk a little bit about some of our products because it's it's like I tell people, look, our means of disseminating our information about our curriculum, that may have changed. The method may have changed whether it's online or whether it's an in-person class. But what hasn't changed is the anatomy of a deer, you know? And so those products we have, the charts, the the graphs, the little 3D models. The models, yeah. The big that's... 3D models, that hasn't changed. You know, the heart and lungs are still in the same place on a deer. Right. Uh, the Internet didn't change. And so I want people to know that we do, like Dylan was saying, we do have this information that is factual and that, that they can depend on. Oh, that's one of the biggest things. Shot placement is yeah. crazy. I mean, if you Google shot placement, you're going to have seven guys say run up the back <laughs> of the leg. You're going to have... 12 say aim for the vital v you're gonna have you know it's it's crazy and and it's no wonder these people are 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 wounding animals because they've been fed all this information and they're trying their hardest to figure out who's right 
Who's yeah, wrong? Exactly. Exactly. That's uh, very true. And and so we will keep that up. That's I mean, that's no uh, no question that we'll we'll keep that up and always have those products. And and as a matter of fact, I mean, the, those products are all going strong. It's it's yeah, kind of crazy. Good. So, yeah, that's that's the fun part. And and the other thing that is rewarding about some of those products is uh, we had an exhibit at the NASP Nationals, which uh, the Eastern Nationals, which was held in Kentucky. And there were over 12,000 kids there. And wow. <laughs> I told wow. you, yes. by the way, I, I we exhibited there and I gave out stickers. And I have I now have a theory on stickers. Um, you give a sticker to a two year old or a three year old. And there's one thing they're going to do with that sticker, and that is peel that back off and stick it somewhere. And but you give a sticker to a 12 year old and they're going to look around and they're going to say, oh, I'm going to put that on my bow case, you know, and they're going to put that sticker someplace else. But anyway, that's my sticker theory. But um, so my we son's were, go to is right there on the forehead. He'll just yep, pop it right, right on and, his forehead. And, right and boy, my husband was helping me and he loved that. He figured out, you know, right away, you tell that two-year-old to stick that somewhere or, you know, help him peel the back off. So they'll yeah. put it on their forehead. And <laughs> so anyway, we had one of the little uh, stick pin deer at that event. And I saw one. I assumed she was a mother standing there looking at it. And she backed up, looked at it, then came, turned it around. And she said, ha, huh, now I get it. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I never knew why my son was shooting those 3D animals where he was. But she said, now I get it. He, mm -hmm. She said, that's teaching him where to shoot the deer. So the deer dies right away. I said, that's right. So, you know, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, yeah. For, for me, the shot placement has been ingrained in my brain for so many decades that it's fine when I'm in North America, but then I went to Africa and they're like, you mm -hmm. don't hit them there. You got to hit them over here. And I'm like, it, it's, that just yeah. took me a little bit to, yeah. I don't well, think I, I, I ever. And sometimes adjusted. we neglect that. We, we we think like because that is so deeply ingrained in us yeah. that we forget yeah. there's a generation that hasn't been taught where to shoot them at. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Yeah. We, we I, just forget that. Yeah. You know, I hunted with uh, Ann Clark and Ann Hoyt and Ann Hoyt was a killer. I mean, she was phenomenal and she shot a 35 pound bow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, but she was just dead on. I mean, she, she put us all to shame on our hunt. So <laughs> that's, that's good. Well, now, now tell us, so do you have plans this, this fall? Sounds like you, I know you're a bow hunter, but it sounds like <laughs> just not as much time as you'd like to be. No, you know, and that's too bad, sad, because, you know, the more we get into this, whole industry the less time we have to really do it <laughs> yeah 
but uh yeah now no i i don't have any plans this fall we um my my free time now revolves a lot around uh three grandsons so if i can get them out some way and and you know i've uh um uh, as they were growing up they kind of used my little browning satori for uh pheasant hunting and and that's been kind of fun but uh i don't have any big plans this fall so uh i live i live vicariously through guys like you so <laughs> not no. us you don't live vicariously <laughs> through us yeah. yeah it's it's funny cuz i get that same thing and i'm sure you get it it's like oh wow you you you're with Pope and Young. You must hunt all over the place. Oh yeah, you get to hunt for a living. That's my favorite. I'm like, yeah, you know, and and I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's really great. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm actually I, I have to leave a hunt on Tuesday to come back for a board meeting. So yes, right. I, you know, other, and it's like I I, you can either be out there hunting or you can be working to protect the right yeah. so that we all can hunt that's right when, yeah when we do have the time that's right that's so, right exactly yeah. it's yep. a, it's a good it's a good balance yeah yeah so and it's yep. and it's all relative because you said you know you used to hunt a lot and, right and i'm like you know i i used to think that i hunted a lot and then you, you meet some of these other guys and gals and no they hunt a lot like I, I used to think I hunted a lot, but I, I just didn't have the right perspective. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So what is, uh, what's one of your favorite hunting stories? Oh. You had to pick one of your, one of your favorite bow hunts. Oh, well, my favorite place to bow hunt is, uh, an old grove of oaks in Nebraska along a creek fed bottom. And it's it's just gorgeous. It's about sixty-five acres, and and we can, you know, we can have three, four of us out there at once, and you can almost see the other people, but you wouldn't even know basically they were there because the oaks are so thick, and so that that's a favorite. And and uh, I remember when we started hunting with that landowner. Uh, he was a former uh, rifle hunter and he started bow hunting because he wanted to extend his uh, hunting season. So he was used to basically going out uh, at dawn on opening day and within 20 minutes, you know, he had his deer and he was back at the house. So when he got into bow hunting, he found out it, wasn't exactly that way yeah you know and and so we met back at the pickup or the vehicles you know we walked out one morning and and somebody had shot but they missed and hit a tree and the broadhead was lodged quite quite deeply in the tree so and we were all laughing about the story and and it finally hit that landowner he said you know, I think you guys just hunt for the stories. And that's exactly, that's exactly a big, big part of it. So that's always a story I like to mention to people that, you know, that you're not going to expect immediate results from 
a bow hunting trip necessarily. And, and uh, there's a lot of variables, but uh, it's, it's those type of stories. And, and, you know, it's like those animals that we kill. Um, That animal is gorgeous. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when you get it taxidermied, but part of the beauty of that animal is that story behind it. And that's why that animal might not be as pretty to some people as it is to you. Yeah. Because you're remembering the whole story, the the whole experience. Right. So, but uh, yeah, various things come up and I had, I had some great hunts with my uh, Diana group with, like I said, the Ann Hoyt and Ann Clark and, and the other gals that are in that group. Matter of fact, uh, a couple, three of us still get together. And nice. we, don't, we don't necessarily hunt anymore, but when we get together, but we sure have stories. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing, one, I don't know if it's a story, but one question that we ask every one of our guests on this show is when you do find yourself out chasing down a story or a big buck, what is one non-traditional item that you would find in your pack? <laughs> Jelly beans. Jelly beans. Jelly beans. That's a That's, new one. Okay. Yeah. We will we yeah. will add that to the list. <laughs> and we continue to have a, a solid run for food representatives in in our list so oh yeah (laughs) we've we've had some good ones yeah i you know i could probably pull enough food out of that pack for at least three days so (laughs) jason here's what we're gonna do at convention we're gonna come up with all the food answers we've been given and we're gonna have that for a meal we're gonna have uncrustables and bacon and, and bacon, jelly beans and Reese's cups and yep. whatever else we've been given. I'm gonna come up with every food answer we've ever been given, and we're gonna have a Pope and Young podcast food night. Food night. I like that. The, yeah. the the podcast. I like the podcast experience. We, like you know it. what? We could record a podcast during the podcast experience with everybody in the background eating bacon and jelly beans. Yeah. Now imagine eating. No, never mind. I like it. Let's do it. All right. So, well, we will, we will put that on the list for Reno. Buffet style. Buffet style. Buffet. Buffet. And then, uh, and then Marilyn, may, let's make sure that we get with Heather so she can get you guys on the calendar and, and get you Absolutely. some space reserved. Uh, Absolutely. Look, look forward to seeing you there. We're, yep. we're in full speed convention planning yep. mode so it's yeah uh, we'll we'll uh we'll sponsor a lunch again or you know excellent we sure appreciate it you guys See, there always, it is. now it's now uh, it's out there we got to do it now it's out there so it's uh we appreciate your your support as always and uh it's just a great partnership and you know every yeah. time yeah. every time we see you know at ata or some of the shows it's always fun and and yeah. uh it's nice that we're we're working, you know, towards the same goal of, of getting people outside and, and making them, you know, safe and successful and, and just a a good experience. So you bet. we really appreciate you being on today, Marilyn and, uh, continued good luck to the, uh, NBEF and, and all that you do to, to keep us safe out in the woods. 
All righty. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. You bet. All righty. Bye-bye.